Welcome to the Reading Aloud podcast, a place where the creative, emotional, and hilarious aspects of relationship communication are explored in real time by a real couple. That's us and a baby. <laughs> Enjoy. I was we just- sick. <laughs> I've been sick for weeks. No, you haven't. Yeah. I just decided that I would start to say that I'm sick during sick season because you have anxiety about getting sick and about germs and all the things. Well, so look what you've done. Every time that you ask me, I'm just like, I'm already sick. And it actually does make me feel better. But look what you've done. I mean, I I like how that that even that statement. Look what you've done. Well, you manifested it. What do you mean? Okay, I manifested it. Yeah. Not like I. You're went like ahead I'm, sick, I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. Now you're sick. But literally everybody's gotten sick around us. So I hope that that big sniff is because I'm talking while you're doing that. You're like, <laughs> it's it's party of three. Me, you, and your schnoz bucket. Schnoz bucket. Me, you, and ple- Why do you look so good in black? Why do you think I think you? Because so my good? soul is dark and decrepit. It is. It brings. <laughs> <laughs> it brings. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> Clearly, you agree with that. It- I mean, you, the way you said that, you were like, "It is." <laughs> Like I said something you had never thought of before. I, no. You're like, your soul is dark and <laughs> decrepit. Oh my God, that explains so much. <laughs> I'm going to help blame you for all of my depression. No, jeez. No, thanks a lot. Um, calling me out with the depression. <laughs> no, it's that, it's that I read a lot. You know, first of all, astrology is much more than just your rising sign, but I read a lot, or your sun sign. I read a lot about Scorpios, and it's always like on the outside, you're like, uh huh. And on the inside, you're like, shut up, stupid. And you have very little tolerance, and you kind of have an evil streak. And so when you said that, I was like, that's it. It brings out the like dark Scorpio side that never, ever, ever gets shown in real life. Okay. I, I mean, I think there's some truth to that, that like I have a dark side that I don't feel comfortable sharing. Do tell. I think I'm prone to bouts of getting depressed, although no one, I haven't called it that and people wouldn't call it that. You've, you've called me out on it, but, um, you know, I get really down, but I have moody. learned, over, moody, I've learned over the years to kind of push it away. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think there's more to it than that. Well, I just wanted to name that. Well, do tell. Oh, um, you know, Midwestern upbringing. I mean, what about that, though? That, that There's like a lot that goes on on the inside that doesn't get talked about. And that ends up being dark. It just stews into darkness for anybody who doesn't let out feelings. You know, it just it's not that you have to be like emotive like me. I've been calling myself um, Housewives of New Jersey drama level 10. I've had uh, flipping tables over here. Well, that's what my bestie yesterday. She's like, "Ooh, you flipping tables?" And I was like, "It's different. It's different. It's a little bit like, ah, and you know, like head to hand to the head. You know, I'm all kinds of out of sorts. What else was I drama level ten? Oh, yeah. No, I flipped a table. <laughs> I flipped a table. Yeah, we won't talk about that. Yeah, your ability to just ask for things. Mm-hmm. You will ask, like, I, I could be You talk about this on the podcast in, literally in every week. In the middle of every a call with the president of the United States, and you'll be like, will you grab me a glass down from the cupboard? 
You know, I mean, like, you just ask for it. I'm like, I'm in the, okay. Uh, Okay. Um, Well, either way, uh, that sounds great. Cool story. (laughs) Cool story. Cool story. Um, Do you mind to get me? I'm telling you, it'll happen just like that. It's like you you will you will ask for it before you even calculate whether it's better for you to do it. Like the first reaction not is true. Like, not true. How do you think that fast Babe, then? Oh, I, that's what I thought you might ask. I think so fast. I've, I'm surprised that you're asking that question. I think so fast. But don't you often you also often say that you speak before you think. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so which is it? It. Are you Both. thinking before you speak or well, speaking I mean, before you think? Well, I mean, if I'm sitting down and you're standing up, you're going to get me that thing. Okay. And today I needed to do, well, for one, we're sick. And True. you were sitting down and I was like, why don't you just work on this project for a minute? Get the COVID test ready while I heat this up. Efficient. Efficient for you, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't look you, busy. You, I... <laughs> I'm sitting at my computer. No, you were just looking at my at workstation. Me. You were, I came downstairs and you were like, hey, babe, that's a really clear sign that you're not busy. Most of the time no, you ignore me. That's a typical greeting. I only ignore you when I'm on the phone or talking or on a call. No, oh, no. You're so focused. No, 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 no. Not true. You're super focused. Can we talk about the real stuff? Let's do it. Okay. Thank you, Neo. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Did you know that the Reading Aloud podcast has a Patreon account? That's right. When you support this podcast through Patreon, you become a part of our Reading Aloud family, and we love our family members. At its core, this podcast is about providing insight and conversations that will support and inspire our listeners to deepen their relationships and build community through conversation. Every week, we receive meaningful feedback on how the Reading Aloud podcast has supported someone through a challenging time, and now we need your support to keep that going. Your Patreon commitment not only provides you with curated, fun, and interactive bonus content, it helps us cover the many costs of producing a podcast. Check out our Patreon link in the show notes and see which level you can commit to. And know that we thank you so much for both your listening support as well as your financial support. Now let's get back to today's conversation. The last podcast we recorded was called What? What Happens After We Die? Yeah, I mean, that's might not be the final title, but yeah. And then we had a death in the family. So we're going to do a separate podcast on that. It was your dear mama. Um, But we have a lot to say about her and to honor her. So we had that and not to breeze over it, but to honor and respect the fact that you would like to pause on sharing the details, the feelings and the experience for another podcast. I will say that in literally at the exact same time on the like the eve of her passing I started the estrogen patches for us to move forward with me being what they call the gestational carrier for our egg um it's wild timing you know it's like interesting to be talking about this because it feels like there's nothing more important than your mom and we're not talking about that so I'm just going to talk about this also I mean it's the the opposite it's the life you know it's been an interesting this time around has been a little bit more casual like we're on the 
phone with our IVF doctor. We just so happened to get an appointment with him to talk about the fact that we're still exploring surrogacy. And, you know, I have to have all these other procedures if I'm going to be the one to carry the baby. And I say to him, like, I think I kind of started my period today. He's like, oh, okay, well, you'll start the estrogen patches and pills tomorrow. Bing, bang, boom. Yeah. And I was like, oh, glad, glad we talked. Yeah. <laughs> like, glad we talked. And you were gone for that. Like you were, you, you had already left town to be with your family. And I was like, okay, so I pick up the stuff. And like last time it was go to the clinic, have a whole review of what we're doing. He's like, you'll take a baby aspirin. You'll take the, you'll put the patches on once every three days. You'll take a two estrogen pills a day and a prenatal. And I'm like, whoa, 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 can I write that down? But I don't know, like if he thought I had just remembered or what. And then I call up the nurse practitioner I'm like hey can you just give me like a rundown of the schedule of this and you know then we get all this medicine in the mail that we had to order you know I think all I got was like order it in time order all the progesterone and oil and everything and then I'm like maybe we should take it to our appointment tomorrow you know this is like super casual this one's been casual in addition to the fact that you know you haven't had this do you think that that's uh that's a premonition for how the baby, if we are so blessed to have one, might be casual. That's what we wanted, right? Because Neo is so energetic. Yeah, yeah, we need a casual baby. I mean, I don't know. It makes me a little nervous that I'm going to skip a beat and not not get all the details right and that that could have a major impact. I don't know. It's not casual at all. It's not casual at all, but it's it's it feels it definitely feels less weighted. Um, especially from... Ooh, that makes my face scrunch up into weird faces, twirls. Well, I mean, it's, it's, we've been through it before and I mean, where we, we kind of know the process. There isn't as much introductory. I think before there was just so much more on the retrieval, on the egg retrieval. And so that set us up. I mean, those were the vast majority of the appointments were, were all of those egg retrieval. That was a much more intensive process. I mean, we were going in every single week to the office for ultrasounds. And then this was actually at the point where we were doing this, the es- estrogen patches, the last time. But we also had the factor of the eggs that had been retrieved and the, the, um, the uh, insemination process and then the genetic testing. And so that was a whole nother level of things. And the estrogen patches were probably not that significant. And we had already ordered all the medicine, you know, so that was already in. So I'm not, I'm not saying, I mean, weighted might be the wrong word. I guess I'm just saying like, there's big factors that are not incorporated this time. Like we have the embryo or the blastus, you know, whatever. Um, We have it ready to go. We're just preparing for transfer maybe I am remembering the whole thing more um than you know because it was a whole thing you're right back to back two months retrieval and then we were lucky enough on our first try to have success but I don't know like the other day I realized that for like five days I hadn't been taking the baby aspirin that's dangerous to put estrogen in your body not take a baby aspirin because you could throw a clot I don't know there's just like things that I haven't been as diligent around and then you know there was the day that like I kept forgetting to change the estrogen patch change in the afternoon I don't know like I would never have skipped a beat the first time around and we had success I don't I I don't know I'm not sure we don't even know if I'm gonna do it we don't know so we're going in tomorrow for the ultrasound and we don't even know if my body's gonna be ready we don't know if like we're sick so we don't know if we're gonna get like 
were sick, not be able to go in. We don't know anything. We are also waiting for... And also, if history holds, like, we really don't know anything because it feels like every time we go, there's a new surprise. Like, nothing ever has been, like, exactly... I don't know. Feels that way to me. And maybe that's just the way it goes, Mm -hmm. is that that is normal, is that nothing ever goes exactly as planned, Mm -hmm. is the norm. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm going in with a completely open mind to a hundred possibilities. Right. I think, you know, I've, I have felt that uh, expansiveness of like, we don't know what's going to happen. Can I just be okay with whatever? Cause we're also waiting for medical approval for our surrogate. So it's like, if that were to come in, it's not that it's so casual of a decision of whichever one happens first we'll do. Cause they're no, very yeah. different decisions. But, but it's important to know, can we go down that pathway to reference our previous podcast? Can we go down that pathway? And is that even a possibility? Because if it rules out or if it stays on the table, then that factors into our decision. Yeah. A lot of the like writing that I've been doing and things like that have been, I feel really solid in my body. I felt, I have felt really, really strong in my body and I feel, you know, even in getting sick, I mean, I'm, I'm slow, but I feel capable. I, you know, I feel the estrogen was coursing through my veins over Thanksgiving and your mom's passing, being with family. And like, other than just kind of like one time where I felt like I was really like activated, I could tell that my tears and my emotions and some of the just like, you know, feelings that I were having was having was totally based in hormones. It was not something that felt like I was taken by it. I was like, oh, that's the estrogen. How interesting. That's the estrogen. You know, and I feel and then I took care of Neo and he was sick and I was solo for three days and took care of him and, you know, reached out for support. Like I just I don't know. I feel really strong in my body. It's funny that when you feel good, you're like, how about we throw a baby in the I mean, mix? you were talking about having three kids the I other know. day. I know. I'm like, you're crazy. I know. No, why? Well, not crazy. I mean, maybe that's the wrong well, way to say it. Your whole family but... has like 50 kids a pop. Well, I'm just, I sure, that's my family. I'm just talking about us. <laughs> I feel like two is a good number for us. One, none. <laughs> Zero is a, also a great number for nah. us. Man. Just kidding. How cute is Neo right now? I mean, the cutest. Okay, so I so here's the thing. I don't know anything about this like development and how it goes. So everything he does is a shock to me. It's so spectacular. And everything and then when you tell people about it who don't have kids they're like oh that's cute but I'm like no 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 yesterday he couldn't even blank and today he did blah 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 like so I mean my dream yesterday two days ago he took the ring light from my desk he like moves it resituates it points it at the backdrop in my office go leaves the ring light pointed at himself goes to the backdrop leans his back up against it and goes tease i was like are you kidding me like the last time we took a picture with him was halloween yeah it's been a month yeah he never did that uh, against I mean, the backdrop yeah yeah. yeah 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 yeah. i mean babe i mean super cool i mean i think it's cool of these like kind of you know it's these multi-tiered complex tasks that he's 
Like he will get one thing to go and put it there to do this X thing. You know, it's it's showing a growth of intelligence. Do you think he's smarter than the average bear? Honestly, I think he's about right on track. Mm -hmm. I think he's on track. I don't think he's like all of a sudden light years ahead. I think he's smart, but I think he's just showing average. He's right on track with intelligence. Yeah. Um, I think it is completely okay to believe that your kid's a genius. I think that's exactly <laughs> what you should do as a parent. Let no, me just say I'm that. With you. I mean, I'm with they, you. they are the brightest, smartest, most capable human that ever walked the earth. All others step aside. Step aside. That's exactly how parents should approach it. Nah. The okay, so we're going in for our ultrasound tomorrow to see if my body has responded the way it would need to in order to have our IVF transfer. All I remember about the transfer is that you do the old handstand. They do do the old handstand. They're like, right. we're gonna tilt which this which bed anybody back. that has had infertility issues knows about the old. The old, the old handstand hand or really headstand or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Feet up the wall, legs up the wall. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we have that picture of us at your friend's wedding in 2018, 2017, 2018, 2017. And May of 2017. And we were like, it was time and we were trying. And you have a picture of me on my, we have a couple of pictures of me doing headstands. <laughs> And then, it, and then I just never forget on our one second video. Or, and, but basically, after the transfer happens, they like tilt the bed and you do the old handstand. They do the old handstand. Yeah. So it works. And then you just kind of wait. Yeah. And continue on with the shots. Mm -hmm. Oof. Mm -hmm. I'm nervous about those, and I'm uh, not even the one getting the yeah, shots. Yeah, I was gonna say. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't have to. Yeah, I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. I, I can still be nervous. Mm -hmm. um, that one time you paralyzed me temporarily. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't walk. I really couldn't. Wow. How do we avoid that? For those that don't know, um, that's that's to prep the, her body for the transfer, which are these like intermuscular progesterone and oil shots that go into the buttocks. You do remember that you do it for 12 weeks after. 10, I think. But yeah. Well, we they recommend 12, but we stopped at 10. Right. Um. You know, and so and these are like. Big old shot. You know, you give them at home. People do them by themselves. For sure. People have to do a lot by themselves. You're a really, you know, involved person. Well, this is a team effort. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, this a babe, is team it, effort. It, it clear, it clearly. I, that's how it should be. And it's not. It's not. And, like. <clears throat> Why do you think often men, but partners, but most often men, want to kind of feel checked out of this whole process. I think empathy is really hard and it's not something that's fostered. I think that it's hard to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And I think, it, I don't think it's malicious. I think it's just honestly like not understanding, not having capacity, not ever having been asked to be available to do for others you know, what they can't do for themselves. Do you think that, here's a question with this. Do you think that most, and I'll just say men, you know, partners, but I think we're talking about men here. Most men actually help and it's a team effort that most are, but it's still the societal narrative that men don't help. And so we just tell ourselves that men don't help and we highlight those examples but in fact, most men are helping and are playing a 
instrumental role. Yeah, I think it's definitely, I think the amount of like teamwork, equality in the home, support type stuff like that has changed for sure. Um, But it's just, it was, I mean, you know, you know, like if you look at the old newspaper cuttings from the 50s and 60s, I mean, it just says it point blank, like, look good for your man, do this for your husband, you know, cook and clean be ready for him when he arrives home from work. I mean, it was just like, that was the script. And so it's different now. And, you know, like, for example, I was getting waxed the other day and, and the woman said, like, is your husband watching the kid? And I was like, yeah, he actually does a lot of the child rearing. He spends, you know, more time with our kid than I do, which isn't as much true, but it was definitely in the beginning. And she was like, oh boy, you got a good one. That's just not very common. You know, so that story is out there, not because people aren't talking about it, but because people are talking about it. And I think that, you know, I wanted to comment another piece on, oh, you know, that men um, have often been told that they are supposed to be the provider. I just don't know that that always translates into emotional support. It's very physical. So when it comes to something like this, there's a technical piece of like, it's really hard to get that needle in your butt in the right place. But it's more that it's just like, it's so supportive to have somebody else there in that moment, because it's so painful. Um, And it's also this preparation for something really intense, like but you know, even my friends who are progressive, I tell them that you would wake up in the middle of the night and make me oatmeal. And they're like, girl, you're a princess. And it's just like, well, somebody had to do it. Like somebody's got to be the princess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) Who's going to be the next queen if they're not a princess? Jersey Shore. No, no, not Jersey Shore. Uh, Housewives of New Jersey drama level 10. No, it's like, somebody has to make it and I'm the one that's not feeling well. So it's like, why can't you be the one to make it other than the reality of like, it's no good having two people up at the same time. But that was so supportive. You know, I was like lonely, awake, reflux, you know, like uncomfortable, all these things in the middle of the night. And you would wake up and make me some oatmeal. It was so supportive. And then it would help me rest. So, you know, even my friends are like, oh, come on. And I'm like, well, you know, it's nice to have that kind of support. Yeah. Whether I may help more than the average partner or not, I guess my point with the whole thing is I think sometimes sometimes we hold on to the narrative and even I think men perpetuate that in their, that narrative whether or not they're helping more than the narrative or not because it in some weird way it like benefits us you know so like less work seems like more because the the societal narrative is that we don't do anything um you know, the changing of that narrative really gets a lot of pushback from people. I also do think that for the most part, men are helping with a lot of different and more involved, especially with children and families than have not only just ever been before, but more than we think they are. That's what I want to say. Of course, more than those 1950 ads, but like more than we think they are. I don't think that there's not a support. Like I don't, there's no part of me. And even, even that we're living in Asheville, like there's no part of me that thinks that men aren't involved. I mean, you know, every once in a while I'll hear about somebody who's like, well, they're, they're really challenging. And, um, you know, I work a lot and da, 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 da. you know, and I get the sense of like, oh, you're maybe less involved, but no, 
no, I don't think, I don't think that it's, I, I think this, I think you're right. I mean, I think people love being with their kids. I think that the value of being with your kids, is just like, I don't know. I don't think that men are doing less with kids. Yeah. And I think, I think maybe, wh- maybe, because wh- then I go to my nail salon and I hear different Well, stories. you know, I think, I think one of the things that we're, we're figuring out is being able within a relationship to play to people's strengths. And I think one thing we're opening up to is that we have these very defined kind of roles that society puts on us that like this is what men's strengths are and this is what women's strengths are and we're recognizing that like that's not always true and that people have different strengths in different areas and a healthy relationship isn't necessarily equality in the sense of we do everything equal it's that we do the things that we're good at and sometimes that shows up in chores sometimes that shows up in emotional support and by taking the leadership role in that, you we learn from the other person and we grow as a couple and we're finding more and more men are finding like, oh, I like I like doing this stuff. I'm actually very good at it and there's more space for them to be good at things that aren't typically seen as male qualities or male strengths. And I think that I could be an example of that. You know, like I have this, you know, kind of caretaker mentality around me um, that I very much enjoy. I think I'm good at in a lot of ways because I'm 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 thoughtful and I'm efficient in it. It doesn't take much for me to see what uh, somebody might need, and that's a skill of mine. And so, therefore, I can lean into that, and it brings me joy. And it may be confusing to others because they don't have that skill, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that, babe. And I want to round out with this meme that I saw recently that I just think is so good, and it's like how to know if a toy is for a boy or a girl. And then it has the bubble at the top and it says, do you operate the toy with your genitalia? And then the side says, no, this toy is for both boys or this toy is for boys and girls, which of course doesn't leave room for anybody else in the meme, but that's what it says. And the other side says, um, yes, this is, this toy is not for children, period. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. You know, this toy, this toy is not for kids. If you operate with your genitalia. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, reading aloud, family, please keep us in your thoughts as we go and see. We will update you on the next steps and as we prepare for this transfer and, you know, think about the ways that um, we're going to have to show up for the second kid Mm. if we're blessed with it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Love you. Love you. Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.